Appamada's programmes and facilities are supported through your generosity. Your support really does make a huge difference. You'll find a link for contributions on the website at appamada.org forward slash contribute. Thank you so much. Okay, well, I'm going to start. I want to say thank you to everyone who is participating today. It's, um, it's noon in Albuquerque, one o'clock in Austin, and uh, very much later in Spain and France and Switzerland and the UK, I know. So thank you everyone for, for being here. Thanks particularly to Nelly for being our monitor today. She has such an important role and, and, and uh, it's so great to have wonderful people to be able to count on when I'm spinning around in my own thoughts. Um, I do want to talk uh, about this. This is a recorded meeting uh, and um, there'll be points later on when uh, there'll be an opportunity for sharing. Uh, and I, I just want to remind everyone that these uh, talks or these meetings are posted on YouTube and on SoundCloud. And that means they're available all over the world. Uh, this has been an important outreach aspect of Appamata, and I think a lot of people have connected with Appamata uh, over the years because of the resources that are available online. But I want to say, if you want to, if you if you have any discomfort from that or with that, you don't have to speak up. Uh, if you don't want to be on camera, you can turn your camera off. If you want to um obscure your identity you can change your name on screen so I, i'm glad that you're here and i want you to be comfortable with the level of um, uh, distribution that happens with the recordings for this class um, and if you have further questions about that i'd be happy to i'd be happy if you would email me about them susan i see you raising your hand I was just going to ask Joel if the uh, if the breakout sessions are also recorded. Is that that's not. It, Nelly? Let me double check. Is that true? The no, uh, it's not recorded in the okay rooms. So okay. people can feel more free about sharing in there. That, that, that would be recorded. Of course, they are not recorded. Lisa Kuntz. Okay, I'm on. I want to uh, thank you for addressing this concern um, because I have watched our the precepts and investigations on YouTube after the fact. I know that the breakout sessions aren't recorded. And, you know, I miss a lot of the juice, but it's still, it's still a wonderful opportunity. And I feel so much gratitude for having them available, because I suspect it's a little bit of extra effort for everybody. And um, also, you know, when I'm watching YouTube's the various Athamata events, I'm aware of that. Like when a plea goes out to support our programs, I'm pretty sure that's part of what we're supporting. You know, when we give Donna is these our programs are really top rank. They're really excellent. Um, not only because of the presenters, but 
because of people like Maria who, you know, they edit and curate them. I'm just so aware of that and so grateful. Thank you. Yeah, and Maria does that thing where she makes a timeline of the recording. Uh -huh. So you can you can jump to five minutes and 17 seconds and, and, and hear a particular thing. That's a lot of work. And I, I really appreciate that. Those are all volunteer activities. Uh, and but but on the other hand, supporting the subscriptions required for Zoom and YouTube and, and other platforms uh, is something that contributions to to Afamata help. So thank you for bringing that up, Lisa. Um, Okay, well, uh, let's take five minutes to sit in silence. I want to give a prompt for our uh, sitting, um, which is the first few lines of Tori Zenji's Bodhisattva's vow, which we have discussed before, but is very much in line with keeping, uh, in, uh, taking up the path to keep a clear mind. So. When I, a student of the way, look at the real form of the universe, all is the never failing manifestation of the mysterious truth of the awakened life. In any event, in any moment, and in any place, none can be other than the marvelous revelation of its glorious light. Okay, so I have a long preamble to set up what I hope will be the tone for all of us of the breakout room that will that will come afterwards. Uh, and so we're, we'll be talking about the precept we've been engaging with. The traditional phrasing of this precept is not giving or taking drugs or intoxicants. Diane Rosetto phrases the precept as I have said more broadly, more probingly, as I take up the way of cultivating a clear mind. Um, I will come back to the, the intoxicants, what Rumi calls the many wines later on. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that poem if you had a chance to read it. Uh, first, I want to spend some time on what seems like a simple question. What is a clear mind? And indeed, what is a mind? Um, in the Shoyo Roku or Book of Serenity, I've never said that word before, so pardon me, stumbling, uh, a collection of koans, koans from medieval China, Case 67 presents a teaching called the Kegon Sutra, which is said to contain, contain teachings that the Buddha gave a week after his enlightenment breakthrough experience. I'm going to hold my papers up so I don't be looking down all the time. Um, here's the quote, Shakyamuni Buddha said, now when I view all beings everywhere, I see that each of them 
possesses the wisdom and virtue of the Tathagata because of their, but because of their attachments and delusions, they cannot bear witness to that fact. So as you probably know, a Tathagata is anyone who has had the breakthrough experiences that the Buddha had just had, uh, realizing that nothing is independent uh, as a self, uh, because everything is inextricably connected and is in unstoppable flux. But does the Buddha emphasize that he is unique in having had that realization? No, just the opposite. He says that all beings, all beings, possess the wisdom in virtue of the Tathagata, but they don't know it. Why not? Because of their attachments and delusions. That is us, right? The Buddha models and teaches what a clear mind is. With the help of Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, you might actually have experienced something like the insight that led to his awakening. And you may have experienced it in meditation or in some moment of clarity in your life. I will say, I have. Maybe there was some afterglow from that clarity. And maybe, uh, however, you didn't find it guiding your actions the next day or even the next hour. So the precepts can sound like the Ten Commandments and engaging with them can reinforce a sense of unworthiness and self-blame. Particularly if you are someone like me, where that feels like home, you know, where it feels comfortable to be withdrawing in a, into a place where you don't have to exert yourself, you don't have to expend your energy, um, but can just stay back and, and feel comfortable feeling one down to in your relationship to other people. Um, I have been talking in each of the presentations that I've given at our meetings about this issue of reinforcing a sense of unworthiness or self-blame, because I think that the mindset of self-blame is, uh, in my experience, unskillful. So again, I want to talk about attachments and delusions and how they arise and why it is so hard to escape them consistently, even after moments of clarity, even after moments of profound insight. Uh, and that, that our experience can be like swimming against a tide, a powerful tide. <clears throat> we think of our mind as being one thing and as having something to do with how we interact with the world. That contains a kernel of truth, but the process is not as simple as it sounds. All the parts of our body-mind system are integrated, but neuroscientists have shown that it's possible to see that some of them are doing things that look really quite independent. Our brains, for example, have their own thing going on. There are waves at different frequencies that are influenced by inputs from our bodies, and then there are other waves that arise from the brain's own processes, and that, and that then shape how we process external stimuli, giving them flavors of calmness or agitation or just, just helping us dismiss them. Uh, at any moment, neurons by the thousands are firing in our heads and they're sending out electrochemical impulses that spread like tree branches or root systems or, or 
lightning through the sky, connecting to and through their neighboring uh, uh, neurons and, and on to other distant parts of the brain. And then there are electrochemical impulses that prune those networks back or amplify them. And those brain-generated processes are mostly happening subliminally, below the level of, of awareness. And it's a mystery how or why those processes happen. It's still be, it will take a long amount of investigation to get in much further with it. Subliminally comes from the word limen. Uh, the limen is the point at which a stimulus is strong enough uh, to produce a physiological or psychological response where we can notice it. The online dictionary I consulted says, in experimental psychology and psychophysics, limen is the threshold, the dividing line between noticeableness and unnoticeableness of a given stimulus. I, I, by the way, never heard the word psychophysics before, but it sure makes sense in the context of all this electricity and chemicals and all that stuff. It seems appropriate. Uh, uh, psychophysics seems like a, an appropriate way of, of approaching them. Um, I am confident that all this kind of stuff is going on in my brain and probably in yours too. And who is uh, making all that happen? Certainly not me. In fact, it is the unfolding of the universe that's making it happen. It's just electricity and chemicals and resonances. And as Tori Zenji says, everything, including this weird stuff, is the never failing manifestation of the mysterious truth of the awakened light. Uh, to me, this is a core example of the truth of the Buddhist concept of emptiness. Our very thoughts and all our reactions and everything are happening in this mysterious space of psychophysics. You are, uh, like me, are being deluged with stimuli every moment uh, from your body into your brain. And your body-mind is not engaging with all of these stimuli, indeed, could not do so. Most of the processes are subliminal. You may be thinking about the, bodhisatt the bodhisattva's vow, but a part of your brain, a very important part of your brain, is monitoring the nerves connected to the walls of your bladder. Uh, so that they can let, let you know when it's time to pee. The same thing is happening with your breathing, an enormously complex interaction of blood chemistry, neurological and muscular activity all throughout the body. And as been shown in earlier discussions, our brain has enormously possible, uh, 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 enormously powerful processes connecting our hearts, lungs, muscles, and viscera to, the, to uh, those sections of the brain that are used for monitoring and responding to, to other people we might have to fight with or flee from or connect with or disconnect from. The complexity and speed and utter relentlessness of all the stimuli we deal with are overwhelming. People have known this since as long as there have been people. That's why so much subliminal activity is involved with pruning back stimuli. And these factors explain, I think, 
why drugs and drink and other wines are so attractive to us. And indeed, for some people, absolutely necessary. They help us not to feel the anxiety of being unable to handle everything. The point I'm trying to make, again, as I have in, in previous talks, is that you should be gentle with yourself. As Rosetto and the other teachers I've read emphasize, the most important pathway to living with a clear mind is to engage your witnessing part, to recognize mental states that lead us to check out instead of being awake, and, and um, which may rise to the level of addictions that actively cloud the mind. If your witness part engages with what it discovers in a sense of revulsion or blame uh, at, at the shock of what it's witnessing, it cannot be as skillful as it might be. Friendliness, curiosity, and patience can make a big difference. And I, I will say Todd Bankler gave a wonderful talk this morning. Um, it, was a, it was a small group and I'm, I'm not, I know Nelda was there, uh, but um, just scanning the windows, I'm not, and, and Becky also. Uh, but he talked about the experience of uh, training as a gymnast, as a teenager, and doing yoga now that he's in his 50s, and uh, that how the body and mind are connected, and how to deal with stiffness, and um, to reach for more flexibility in the body, and that that was very important to him as a gymnast. He had to train in this, and it continues to be important to him in his life. And what he said, what he talked about was the, um, the same point that uh, Diane Rosetto makes, that, that it is the witness part, engaging the witness part with openness and curiosity makes it possible if you are like me and you have trouble touching your fingertips to the floor, it makes it possible over time to be with those parts, to investigate the parts that are stiff that are holding back and and to stop believing the messages oh I can never do this and and to proceed with again a sense of curiosity and a sense of possibility that can allow you to feel where the connections are where this where the restrictions are and work with them to uh, eventually meet your goal of touching your fingers to the floor or doing a backflip with a half twist or whatever he gave some scary examples like that and um, um, anyway I really urge you to to watch his talk if you if you get a chance um, it'll and it'll be posted on YouTube very soon <clears throat> uh, I want to stop there I want to ask if there's any questions and then I, I want to describe the the uh, process for the connection rooms or breakout rooms we're uh i thought i was going to spend at least 30 minutes talking about uh reading through what i just read and uh gosh it went fast it was only about 10 minutes so <laughs> we'll have plenty of time later on um are there any questions about what you engaged with with the with the the reading, uh, anything about what I was saying, uh, any pushback on why I keep harping on this point, meeting after meeting, about why it's necessary to be gentle with yourself and, and how 
there are so many factors in our in our physiology and 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 other things that are that are working against us being awake and kind and patient and love and full of love and kindness you know lisa lisa judge um, <clears throat> well I, I i thought about this last night as i was trying to go to sleep i had a very difficult day yesterday I'm in the condo community and I'm the board president and there was just an unbearable, literally unbearable amount of drama, anger, animosity. I've just, I've never lived in a place where this sort of stuff happened. Lisa Coons, I thought of you also as I was going to sleep. Um, and I was laying there and I was experiencing anger and I almost want to say rage like I've never experienced before. And my brain, I was thinking, oh, wouldn't it be nice just to take a pill and my brain will just kind of drift off in the who knows what. And I slept very little during the night because I couldn't get, I couldn't get my whole sensory system calmed down. Um, so I was working to stay present, but by staying present, I was fucking miserable, excuse my language. So um, I, I guess I'm just bringing that up because I, I guess that's just one of the burdens of, or maybe I just, I kept thinking, well, Pima Chodron says if you stay with a feeling for 90 seconds, it'll float away, but it, it wasn't floating away. So I don't know if I just wasn't doing it right or what. So that's that's why I raised my hand. Thank you. Yeah, I think, I mean, Pima Chodron has had plenty of experience with, with loss and with uh, physical illness and pain and and uh, and other major factors. But uh, I mean, what you were just pointing to goes out of the realm of these kind of pastel versions of aversion and, and uh, ignorance that we live in and goes to really the, the shock of your nervous system reawakening the those feelings over and over again and how difficult that is. Certainly, I mean, I've had times in my life of grief, of pain, um, and um, other emotions where that's happened to me as well. I've, I've calmed down a little bit and then it pops back up. Uh, certainly grief is uh, one of the strongest uh, examples of that, the to loss of a relationship, the loss of a contact with a person through death or through a, a rupture can be just that kind of experience. So thank you for, for bringing that up, Lisa. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, briefly, I really want to respond to that, Lisa Judge. Oh my goodness, thank you. Um, thank you for that wonderful word, psychosocial. What a great keyboard shortcut. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's so helpful. And oh, now what's coming up for me is like when I get these feelings of, being totally dysregulated and hijacked. Um, I mean, some of, them, some of them in the past have seemed extreme to the point of being pathological. You know, it's just like, how, well, anyhow, it's like, yeah, I, wow, I don't have control. I really lose power. And while I'm talking, I can see it. That is where my frustration comes in and my unkindness towards myself 
I mean, I'm not even thinking those words. I'm just feeling it in my body. It's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm following the rules in a way. And why is it working for me? Like it worked for Kim children. Although it took her a long time, but I, I do have the perception that it's not working for me the way I want it to. Wow, a lot came up when I verbalized that. <laughs> That's it. Thanks, Lisa. Becky? Um, I, I guess I have a lot of, of um, compassion happening for what you each have been uh, stating is very clearly what happens in our bodies when we do bump into something that's, that is a shock or is deep feeling uh, or that has connections back through our lives in a way. And I'd just like to offer something that has helped calm me during those times. And that is a song that, that came to me and I'd just like to share it with you. And if anybody already knows it and wants to sing it with me, feel free to, but don't don't turn off your like don't don't unmute, but sing. Because it really you'll you'll feel it. I'm gonna sing, sing it three times and if you can join in, you can get a sense of what it does in our in our bodies, I think. So <clears throat> how simple can I make this? How simple let it be. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. How simple can we make this? How simple let it be. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. How simple can we make this? How simple let it be. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Denise? I just wanted to share that during your talk, Joel, about the way you described the whole constant movement in our brains, um, I'm, I'm quite, from my profession, I'm used to listen to my body and, and the, but what you said brought me in a contact with, how, like this constant, I think, like this constant movement that tries to make sense of, of our life here. And um, 
And I think it's the first time I felt some kind of compassion for for this constant movement in my brain. It's just, um, yeah. So I think that's what I want. And then when I did this, I, I felt I, I listened differently to you afterwards, which was quite, uh, yeah, touching. Thank you. Thank you so much, Denise. Though, you know, reading about those things has had the same effect on me. It's, it just has shifted how I experience life. Uh, and, and thank you for that response. That really means a lot to me. Uh, okay, so we have just had some wonderful examples of what I hope will happen in our connection room or breakout rooms, as they're called. I'm going to go through the instructions a couple of times um, because we have plenty of time for it. Um, so when we go into a breakout room, choose a timekeeper, uh, follow that with a couple minutes of silence. And then for sharing, first of all, in share, in terms of sharing, you can pass. You don't have to say anything, um, but it, uh, you can reserve your time for a silent sitting with your group, or you can simply pass and, and let the, the time go to the next person. Uh, if you are willing to share, just take three minutes to share re your reflections on how you might use substances or media or social interaction or even meditation, all things that, that Diane Rosetto points to as ways of distraction, as means of distraction to distraw, to, uh, pardon me, to withdraw from difficulties in your life. And um, you might speak about how well that works for you. Does it work? I mean, most of us adopt these strategies because as Rosetto says and other teachers say, they do give us something. They do give us something, even if it, in the long term it's not beneficial. But um, it, you might spend some time thinking about and, and sharing how, about how it works for you, how well, how maybe how it's not working as well as it once did. And then I want to ask you to speak directly to the parts that crave withdrawal and offer your gentle recognition and loving kindness to those parts. No, let them know that you hear them and that you recognize the need that is behind what they're asking you to do by withdrawing, using whatever means the withdrawal takes. Uh, during the sharing, no crosstalk. And then when all three have spoken, participants can offer reflections on what they found most helpful in what was shared with others. Uh, after we come back, there would be some time for reflecting on the experience, but I would ask you to uh, not speak for anybody else uh, coming back from the, from the um, breakout rooms, not to talk about what you heard from anybody else, but to speak to your own reactions if you can. 
Is that, does that sound pretty good? I'm gonna go through it again in just a moment, but I see Genev, you've got a question. Hi, I just wondered what the total time will be. Well, I would say the total time will be 20 minutes. So that, that leaves some flex time around the start and the beginning of, of all the time. So two, two minutes of silence, three minutes each for sharing uh, some time for reflecting uh, again together. And it'll, there'll probably be some time for silence at the end as well. Okay. Um, I'm, uh, I'm going to call Susan and then I'll read through the instructions one last time. Okay. Susan, hi. So Joel, you're, you're inviting us or asking us to share not just how we're using substances or activities or whatever for distraction, but also I'm a little unclear about addressing the part that craves this is within ourselves to the group or I'm, I'm just not understanding that part yeah so the parts within yourself so this is this is again part of what diane rosetto uh, suggested in her in in her guidance on uh, reflections about about this precept uh is if you are you know if you have an urge to turn on the tv or take a drink or or skip rope for four hours in a row or something like that, um, that uh, that you see as being a withdrawal from anxiety, a withdrawal from something that you are averse to, that you might recognize if you, and it may not be possible, but you might recognize that there's a part who holds that anxiety and wants to escape from it. And what I'm suggesting is to offer recognition and loving kindness to that part, you know? So it's, it would, if, if you're like me, it's easy to say, oh, I, I should have been doing some work and I played a crossword puzzle instead. That was bad. But there's an alternative way to do it, which is for me to say, oh, I recognize there's a part that is getting some relief from some fear. What is that part? What is it trying to tell me? What's it afraid of? What's it afraid will happen if I don't do activity X? You know, does that does that make it clearer? Yes. So again, that 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 may be something that you can do easily, or maybe maybe not. But if if it is possible, I encourage you to consider that as part of of what you could share. Okay. I'm not seeing I'm seeing a couple of quizzical looks, but but no other hands raised. So okay, 20 minutes total. So it's now 1242 my time. Uh, and um, so let's see. So two two minutes after the hour, we will come back. Okay. Thank you. It looks like everybody's back, all 27 of us. So I, I am curious about what arose or, or what you were willing to share during that exercise. And I'm also curious if you may recall that a couple of uh, meetings ago, we had a discussion uh, and a presentation on internal family systems therapy 
And during the brief video that was presented, the uh, therapist in Austin who was recorded, I'm sorry, I'm regretting, I'm blanking on her name, but um, she talked about the qualities of self, which of course in Buddhist terms would be more like non-self, but the qualities of self identified by Richard Schwartz, the, the uh, progenitor of uh, internal family systems therapy, and that he identified as uh, seven C's and five P's. They are, the seven C's are compassion, creativity, curiosity, confidence, courage, calm, connectedness, and clarity. So I, I think I've sent this out before, but I'll be, I'll be sending it out again. Uh, and the five P's are presence, persistence, perspective, playfulness, patience. And I, I'm just wondering, I'm curious uh, about this. If you were willing to step forward, if you were willing to share about these questions, which can be quite difficult, did they arouse in you just the just having the um, courage to step up and talk? Did that help you feel connected with compassion, creativity, curiosity, confidence, courage, calm, clarity? Uh, did did you feel more persistence or presence, a wider perspective, even playfulness, uh, and more patience? Did any of those qualities come up from the activity of sharing with the people you were connected with? They sure did for me, I'll say that. I mean, I can't go through them one by one, but I, but I know that I have a different feeling now. Mary Beth? Yeah, that's a great question because it gives name to what I was feeling. I remember saying in the room, you know, I feel validated. I feel by sharing something with somebody who has similar, you know, we, we all want to know that we're not alone, right? And that we, um, connect to other people who have similar struggles. And it, it was it was really powerful for me in that aspect of, of really connecting around um, similar suffering and validation of just our practice. So thank you for that. Thank you, Mary Beth. I will say for myself, I was in a wonderful group, but uh, I, I, for myself, I had the opportunity to do something that I've done in the past, and that was to do a brief exercise of literally turning toward the part of me that often feels like it just cannot handle any more frustration, cannot handle any more anxiety, and, and, and uses what seems like benign, momentary uh, ways of distraction, which then I recognize have eaten up half of my day, you know, but turning to that part with uh, recognition and openness and just saying, I, I see you and 
I'm here with you and I appreciate that you're trying to help me. Uh, and so I, I did that as an exercise. Uh, and and I, just as you said, Mary Beth, to be able to speak to other people, to, 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 to do that as an exercise with other people who were gently holding me in, in loving presence while I was doing that was enormously helpful for me. Thank you. Marla? Um, this, this, uh, this precept has always really spoken to me, not because of the confessional nature, which is off-putting to many people. To me, the use of the word intoxicant seems sort of challenging and judgmental. And um, when I realized that it's all about intent, just about just the same way that it is with most of our behaviors, almost anything can be positive until the, um, as I described it in our group, where you, you come to a corner and then suddenly your intention changes and it becomes a distraction or a way to separate yourself from, from yourself or from others or from something, a, a distraction as we, we call it. So the question is, when does it cease to serve me and when do I go over that edge into um, a separate, a separation impulse? Um, and, and so intention, again, intention, intention for me is the key to recognizing when something goes from being uh, helpful to being unhelpful. Mm -hmm. How do you find what your intention is? How do you monitor how it's changing? Me? Yeah. Oh, oh, um, uh, a sense of connectedness, whether it's there or not there. Um, when when I start to feel a distance and sometimes that's intentional it's fear it's it's a uh, repulsion from the the intimacy. Um, a desire to isolate for whatever reason anxiety or there's a thousand different reasons. But yeah that that knowledge that oh I want to get away. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I, I'm reminded with something that you just said. Uh, we've also, you know, had a little bit of a brief presentation about right use of power. And right use of power is a, 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 um, a rubric for thinking about your impact on other people. It was designed specifically for psychotherapists, but applies in any kind of helping profession where there is a a powerful power differential between uh, someone who's in a kind of a guiding role, perhaps, or uh, between uh, someone in an up power role that can be guiding or can be supervisory or can be uh, various other terms like that, and someone who's in a down power role and just you know trying to do their job and while they're being supervised and, and instructed on how to do it. The um, in um, the right use of power training, um, which Flint, uh, I'm sorry, which Peg presented to a, a, a small group uh, yesterday in a, uh, in, in a very good workshop session uh, for Council Five members. Um, uh, there is an there's an emphasis on the responsibility of the person and the 
up power role. And I, I realize that what we're talking about is mostly so far a kind of internal dialogue uh, that we're having that we're having with ourselves or, or group discussion with within the group going on in our heads. Uh, but it is also important to, uh, it, it came to me while uh, I was in the breakout session to be monitoring the effects of withdrawal on the people around us. You know, I mean, I thought of myself as a parent and, uh, you know, my relationship with my son. And was I really paying attention as much as I needed to be as a, as a father when my son was living with us? And, and am, I, am I doing that, in, am I doing that in, in, a, in a way now? That, the, that what the creator of, of Right Use of Power, Cedar Barstow, phrased it is, the person in the down power role has 100% responsibility for maintaining his or her um, uh, integrity and for being honest and open and forthright and uh, active in the relationship. But the person in the up power role has 150% responsibility. And that, um, that means a greater responsibility to maintaining, to, to, to watching for signs of breakdown for uh, maintaining the relationship in a way that is uh, um, conducive to growth for both and uh, truthful and um, you know positive um, in that way. I, I'm, I'm, I'm messing up the language terribly and I, I wish I had the book in front of me so I could quote from it. But it, it occurs to me that in this in this kind of interior dialogue where we have our bigger selves and our and our smaller selves and they are going back and forth that the bigger self has 150% responsibility you know that uh, it may not be easy but that it is for for those parts of us that have the capacity to realize that every single thing in the world is the never failing manifestation of the mysterious truth of the awakened light, that we have more responsibility in that part than we do, that, that, that we can extend, I should say, not, that, not than we do, but that we can extend to those parts within ourselves that, that don't have the capacity for that recognition and that we can help them. So I hope that makes sense. Denise? I, I wanted just to connect what you said um, from the IFS point of view, where because if I understood well, you described a part of you that was going onto an edge and suddenly became disturbing. And it could be, if I use IFS language, that first it's like a manager who helps you go through life. And then it turns into a protector when it protects something that is very hurting in you. And then it starts to, to do things that could be perceived by, like harmful for other parts. So sometimes it's one part that suddenly changes <clears throat> the role and, and, um, 
and then what Joel described, you know, if you connect to it, when it changes the role, it, you give it a, a possibility to change again, if this makes sense. Thank you, Denise. I'm just reminded that, that there are so many people with so much expertise, lived expertise and great dedication to their profession who are who are like Denise, who know about these things in ways that I don't. And yet I've had the gall to be talking about them for this group. I hope I hope I've not done too much violence to the to the various things that I've touched upon. And I and I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity to to learn in this kind of setting. Um, Okay, well, we're getting close to the end of our time. Um, Milen, in my small group, mentioned that she was um, thinking about some instructions for connecting with parts and, and connecting with our, our big self through exercises that she had, had learned from Thich Nhat Hanh. And I want to close what I'm doing here with a quotation from Thich Nhat Hanh. I'll send out a, a link to the webpage that has this. But he has a, a book called The Five Trainings, which is a, a restatement of the precepts as trainings. And instead of focusing on um, uh, drugs and, and intoxicants as um, it gets used in the traditional phrasing, he reframes it as focusing on all kinds of consumption. Uh, and this is number five in the list of the five trainings. This is a brief uh, excerpt from it. Aware of the suffering caused by unmindful consumption, I am committed to cultivating good health, both physical and mental, for myself, my family, and my society by practicing mindful eating, drinking, and consuming. I will practice looking deeply into how I consume the four kinds of nutriments, namely edible foods, sense impressions, volition, and consciousness. I am determined not to gamble or to use alcohol, drugs, or any other products which contain toxins, such as certain websites, electronic games, TV programs, films, magazines, books, and conversations. I will practice coming back to the present moment to be in touch with the refreshing, healing, and nourishing elements in me and around me, not letting regrets or sorrow drag me back into the past, nor letting anxieties, fear, or craving pull me out of the present moment. I am determined not to try to cover up loneliness, anxiety, or other suffering by losing myself in consumption. I will contemplate interbeing and consume in a way that preserves peace, joy, and well-being in my body and consciousness, and in the collective body and consciousness of my family, my society, and the earth. Um, Milen, I. I don't know if you can connect now, but uh, it, it, do you have anything that you wanted to share about 
the breathing exercises that you, that you were describing before? Uh, no, it was it was just um, Dignit Han talking about uh, deep breathing and reconnect with yourself, like saying to yourself, like, hey, I am Han. Like when you are entering your physical house, but this is a metaphor to go back to yourself. It, that was it. I don't know if it's clear. Thank you. Uh, Lisa Judge just um, sent me in a, a message in chat, and I'm sorry that I had not seen this before, but she asked um, if I acknowledge that um, Ahsoka's father has died, and that he's with us today. Asoka, is there anything you would like to say? I do. And let us just be with you. Let us close for today, unless there's additional that anyone would like to offer. So our next meeting will be, you know, I'm flustered now, and I, I'll have to send out the information about the next meeting. Uh, it'll be in early July. Uh, I've got it. It's on the calendar, but I don't have it in front of me right now. Let's close for today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, everyone. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.